0: Today's Peanuts Gallery is brought to you by Kook Comics. Kook Comics, thrilled to the adventures of Little Something Guy and Big Maybe a Mouse. Available exclusively at Lucy's Psychiatrist booth, Compound B. Once I have written a theme
1: song, it will go here. This is Peanuts Gallery. I'm
0: Molly Lewis. And I'm Josh A. Kagan, and today we're talking about It's a Mystery, Charlie Brown, from February 1st, 1974. Uh, and we have a very special guest with us, who Molly is going to introduce. Take it away, Molly Lewis. Uh,
1: our special guest for today's episode. Uh, not unlike Josh, I met our guest today when we were both performing at Woodstock in 2009. You may have seen her with Loading Ready Run or on the Desert Bus for Hope charity fundraiser Drive. Uh, she's the host of such shows as Checkpoint and Feed Dump. She has two cats, Baxter and Cavern. And little known fact about our guest, she makes an excellent quiche. Please welcome Kathleen DeVere.
0: Yay! Yay! Kathleen, Molly tells me that you are a Peanuts expert. I am a Peanuts super fan. So... Close enough. That's good enough for the internet. I
2: know a lot about Peanuts. Are you familiar with Learned League?
0: Mm. I am we, not. We actually oh, are um, these, are they superheroes?
2: Learned League is an invite only trivia club and, uh, they have like seasons of trivia and they also have one day specials. And the one of the recent one day specials was Peanuts Facts. And, uh, it was, I got an 11 out of 12 on it, which, uh, would have put me as one of the highest people. But I'd say that quiz was painfully easy for my Peanuts knowledge. <laughs> oh, that's, that's big talk.
0: Uh, I'm super curious though. And I hope this is not a dick response. What was the one you got wrong? It was a question that
2: wasn't actually related to Peanuts. It was like a drawing of that Charles M. Schultz had done of Snoopy palling around the Western Front. And the question was, uh, who's this other cartoonist that Charles Schultz is friends with and that he would te- frequently team up to do like, uh, veteran themed comics? And I'm like, I have no idea because this is not a Peanuts related question. I guess it is Peanuts adjacent, but you know.
0: Build like, bill something, right? This just came up last week, Molly. Because of that, wait—is this the same quiz? It, that is, that... it actually is. Yeah, almost certainly. Oh, yeah. fantastic! Okay, well, I think we can all agree that was a stupid question. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, like, if you're gonna find something that's gonna stump people, it's certainly gonna be like, hey, which one of these kids doesn't live in Charlie Brown's neighborhood? It's like, please, <laughs> God, that one's <went> so easy.
0: <laughs> well, here are some facts about this uh, this week's episode. Like I said, it's it's a mystery, Charlie Brown. February one, nineteen seventy four. February, uh, here in America, our most mysterious month. Uh, I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but uh, that we've always talked about how February is just a month of mystery. Nobody even know. Nobody really has even seen February. Uh, we, we can't really confirm that February is real. The science just isn't there. It is the first special not directed by Bill Melendez, although he still contributed voices for Snoopy and Woodstock, which means he was working like a motherfucker in this episode because that's pretty much all there is. Uh, it was directed by Phil Roman, a longtime blandisher, uh, with the Peanuts Association, and he went on to found Film Roman Studios, uh, who produced shows, uh, like The Simpsons and King of the Hill, and Family Guy, but hey, nobody's perfect. Kathleen, this is an episode that you specifically requested, and my first question is, why?
2: Because the music in this episode is rad. It's it is like so
0: fucking rad!
2: <laughs> this was like, I watched this when I was a little kid on TV in New Zealand, and I think it was my first inkling that music was cool. I love these, like, very of-the-era sort of like funky synth sounds and the soundtrack is great and the only like down point of the soundtrack is when they bring in the joe cool theme but we'll talk about that later and basically it's like a motif <laughs> oh, it's, it's like so good <laughs>
1: it's so good i'm actually editing the thanksgiving episode right now which is uh, the other one that you uh sort of put a, put a pin in and just there's a whole just swath of like bitch and giraldi music in the 70s like he just went he went mod so hard oh, so and i'm God. loving it
0: infinitely funkier in every single episode to the point where in this one uh, that sort of main title theme which we'll talk about in a minute is like you expect to see hard-boiled cops chasing uh, ne'er-do-wells down alleyways and like throwing over garbage cans and stuff or possibly kissing ladies. Uh, it is that deep and that funky.
2: It's definitely like a pastiche of the sort of TV themes you'd hear at the time. I think perhaps that like element of parody might be lost on
0: subsequent generational viewings of this classic <laughs> of which there are none because I don't think this has been shown on American television since like I, I, since it aired, I don't, I don't have many memories of seeing this growing up. Uh, Molly, you, uh,
1: we had it on tape because we also had the companion picture book, um, which I actually have in front of me. And it's basically like a beat by beat of the plot with a few jokes, like cut out. Cause they don't work in a book. But so that's, those are my notes for this episode. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. I just put in
1: little post-its with like, yeah, that part was cool. Man, the music was great here. If only that was in the book. Like that <laughs> kind of
2: thing. Uh, I grew up in New Zealand where television uh at the time was bad and basically relied on American reruns. So I have uh childhood knowledge of watching a lot of TV shows that people of my age were not watching in North America. Like Magnum had just come to television in New Zealand in like the late 1980s, like 1988, 1989. And it was Hot stuff. So I remember seeing
0: this as a it, it, Magnum was an evergreen. The the Hawaiian shirt, the mustache, the easy access to a helicopter, mansions in Hawaii and whatnot. I mean, that, it's, it's timeless. We could all mm-hmm. watch it right now. Mm-hmm. And we should, everybody. And we should. That's we are segwaying. We are now no longer talking about <laughs> this Charlie Magnum going- <laughs> Gallery. <laughs> Here is the synopsis of this week's episode. Synopsis a bird and a dog try to find a stolen nest also a dirty child is lonely synopsis uh <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's all. there that's, is yeah. uh the uh, the wiki points out that this has very little dialogue in it uh because it is mostly just snoopy and woodstock Walking around, sort of bleeding things at each other, and in fact, uh, I found a tra- I found a transcript of it online, and it only has something like eleven hundred words in it. Uh, not that these are usually like dense Gilbert and Sullivan patter song affairs, but I, I th- you know, what I, this is something that I kind of want to talk about throughout the episode. And Kathleen, you are an armchair expert, super fan. The big mystery to me. And something that I've, Molly and I have witnessed over the course of seeing all of these specials is that after a certain point, the universe belongs to Snoopy and Woodstock. Uh, and as a fan of the strips, I was wondering if you could maybe speak to that a little. That weird sort of hazy transition where this went uh, from being about a bunch of kids and their anxieties. To kind of a dog and bird hanging out and doing whatever.
2: Well, as an amateur peanut scholar, uh, I will do my best. But basically, what happened was after, shortly after Snoopy started walking around on like the full two legs, so you got the modern Snoopy, which you see in this special, um, he became sort of the centerpiece of. The comic strip, because at that point, Charles Schultz had been drawing it for like, because we have to think this is the 70s. He started Peanuts in the 50s. He's already been drawing this strip for 20 years, and he started, That's uh, a really good so point. yeah, he started like embracing the more fanciful, fanciful elements of the strip that he could do with Snoopy, and that also tied neatly into the fact that Snoopy was incredibly. Merchandisable. And you have in the 1970s, you have this huge explosion of Peanuts merchandise and related products. And so there was a huge push, not only from Charles Schultz to do more interesting things with Snoopy, just because it, you know, mixed up the comic a little bit and was more interesting. He'd also like sort of nailed down Woodstock as this comedic foil to Snoopy, whereas before he didn't really get to interact with the kids in the same way because the kids didn't like have conversations with Snoopy. Um, uh, or like, you know, like the back and forth that Snoopy and Woodstock have uh, and just there was this push to like get Snoopy into all the things because he was so incredibly desirable and marketable, he was very popular he was the minions of his day almost <laughs> <laughs> which makes me feel bad because I do love Snoopy, but very, very popular, so yeah, so then you have the, the shift and especially in basically all of the, in the comic strip and especially in sort of the marketing materials which is these these were, right, they're essentially marketing promotional items to promote peanuts and more stuff Uh, To include, you know, more Snoopy type stories and more Snoopy and Woodstock doing things. There are several like um, beats from the comic that are actually in this episode, including Sally at the end when she's giving her report. It's like, why do we have a nervous system? So we can get nervous doing these reports. But that sort of like stand-up comedian delivery thing was a was a like a whole
0: like like not
2: like basically a reoccurring gag of Sally having to give school reports. Ah, uh, that sort of came up at this era in the comic.
0: Yeah, Sally and just going off the specials and what I remember of the strips, it's not that Sally is particularly bad at school, not like her older stupid brother, but it's more that she's just fucking exasperated with the idea that she has to keep doing this. Uh
2: correct. Well,
1: she was. And I want so, yeah. to just go back uh, real quickly to like just you know, with Snoopy doing all these physical gags. It's, and, and Woodstock being his foil. There's a, a special we covered earlier called He's Your Dog, Charlie Brown, where the other kids were the comedic foil to Snoopy's sort of physical gags. And so the special was just Snoopy pummeling children relentlessly for about 15 minutes.
0: Um, and. <laughs> not marketable. You not can't marketable. sell those toys.
1: And, yeah. And I, I absolutely agree that, like, and we actually talked about this in our, our previous episode, uh, where we talked about, uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, how, these sort of flights of fancy with Snoopy kind of give us a break from like the kids just kind of talking through their problems, which is most of what happens. And they basically outsource all their physical comedy to Snoopy.
0: Hmm. Yeah, but I and from my point of view, and this is something that uh, uh, Joseph Scrimshaw and I sort of went back and forth on in the previous episode. From my point of view, that's how I like it. I like a little sprinkle of Snoopy throughout my specials. And then I like to hear kids having problems and anxieties.
1: Yeah, just a a spoonful of Snoopy helps the dialogue go down.
0: Yeah. And even in He's Your Dog, Charlie Brown, I still feel like we were, even though there was a fair amount of Snoopy in that, we were still getting equal parts Snoopy and the other kids. Uh, whereas in this, it's pretty much just all Snoopy all the time. Uh, we haven't covered this movie yet because we're going slightly out of order. Uh, but two years before this, in 1972, we get Snoopy Come Home, which, uh, I feel like is the fir- first of all, it's the first time that there isn't a Charlie Brown anywhere in the title. But I think that sort of maybe marks that sea change, uh, between being about the kids and being about Snoopy and some stuff with the kids. Kathleen, as a fan, if you had to have your druthers, do you, do you prefer sort of the more, uh, kids kvetching? Peanuts or the Snoopy pretending to be a uh, a checkout clerk, Peanuts?
2: Uh, I mean, as a child, I probably preferred wacky Snoopy, but I think now as a refined adult with adult adult tastes. Uh, <laughs> you
0: know, <laughs> Are you drinking a sniffer of brandy as we speak?
2: I'm drinking a Tim Hortons steep tea, actually. Oh, um, I
0: miss Tim Hortons.
2: but uh i prefer kids talking talking through their problems right but you know filter this through the lens of this is peak snoopy this is peak snoopy marketability this is peak snoopy wackiness and that's what people wanted to see they wanted to see snoopy come home and then the next movie which comes out a couple years after this bon voyage charlie brown which is just Mm -hmm. that's the mark that's the point where snoopy goes too far
0: and also the point, as one of our Twitter fans uh, pointed out, where we see uh, where meat lump theory falls apart entirely uh, oh. because we see human uh, human adults. It's uh, awful. It's
2: the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a child, I was like, eh, I don't like this.
0: I don't want this. Uh, well, I hope it has a happy ending. Oh, no, it ends with a fire. Spoiler alert. Uh, but there's then there's a, horrible, a sequel. Oh, fire. and then the
1: Battle of Normandy Beach. Oh,
0: well. <laughs> Yes, it segues right into Saving Private Ryan. But let's, uh, but hey, we're here to talk about it to Mr. Charlie Brown. And, uh, the special starts off with Woodstock staring at us, uh, with this little smile on his face, like a little fucking creeper. Like, hey, everyone. Check out what I'm gonna do. That's right, motherfuckers. I'm the protagonist. And then uh, Woodstock uh, tries to build a nest, and it doesn't go so well. And this is actually one of my favorite things about Woodstock that we see a lot of in the strip too. Is that Woodstock's just bad at being a bird.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't. I think he's great at being a bird. He he builds a bitchin' nest instead of flying out of his tree home. He takes an elevator, but which like I just think he's like he's got it sort of. He's got his style really nailed. In terms of
0: he does, birdness, he absolutely does. I think uh, it was a runner in the strip, and Kathleen uh, uh, corroborate, if if you will, uh, where for a while Woodstock could only fly upside down.
2: Yes, that's true. And then the whole like Woodstock taking an elevator and having like a pool, like that's what they're pastiching here with like him going to the bird bath and stuff, was also like in the strip. Like I almost certain there's a lot of peanut strips, and I've I've read them all, but not recently. And like this whole like. Woodstock has like a swinging 70s apartment. Like that was a thing.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that comes up in a couple episodes with uh, Mr. Howlablink. In the next one in Easter Beagle. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, uh it, oh. that is he has possibly one of the swinginest apartments I have seen in cartoons or reality. Right. Uh he is he's living this sweet life
2: with the big headphones. He's like whole hi-fi set. Like so good.
0: They're probably somehow quadraphonic headphones, even though that doesn't seem to be physically possible, but he's just <laughs> that cool. But in this one, he's not super cool because it takes him a couple times to get his nest, right? We see him building, building, building lies back in it. And then, uh, it all falls to shit. He falls to the ground with a thump. And then we get, uh, the title card. It's a mystery, Charlie Brown. And then the aforementioned deeply, mother-funkin'-funky theme music. And there's a split second where Woodstock's just lying prone with his eyes closed. We see It's a Mystery Charlie Brown. We hear this kind of really, really dirty funk. Pigpen funk. And for a split second, it's like, oh no, This episode's going to be about solving Woodstock's murder.
1: (laughs) It's a homicide, Charlie Brown. It's,
2: it's a red
0: ball, Charlie Brown.
2: It's witness protection, Charlie Brown.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's deeply disconcerting, but he gets up again. He builds his, uh, he builds his real swank nest in a very fancy way. Uh, and, uh, and it works and he's super relaxed. And then just in case you weren't tired of Woodstock and his shenanigans, uh, he uh, he wanders down to uh, take himself a nice bath in the birdbath which then apparently wherever they live is subjected to Category 5 instant hurricanes because he nearly dies.
1: Uh, I, that's actually not in, in the book version. It's not in the novelization, you guys. Oh,
0: no, it's not. It's then, <laughs> And then the adorable bird nearly drowned. I put little
1: sticky notes to just, like, add the plot points that are missing from the book, and so I just drew Snoopy's
2: doghouse with a little rain cloud over it. Like, I do will stick and that. I do like that he builds a raft, and then the raft falls apart, and then he starts, uh, yeah. like, chirping for help. It's very
0: cute. I think well, it's I'm cute. out of ideas. Yeah, he's... Uh, uh, I kind of thought for a second before he put the leaf on it that he was going to start surfing, because uh, I feel like you can't go more than a couple Charlie Brown specials or movies without an animal surfing. Uh, but no, instead, he uh, he nearly dies on his little makeshift raft. We expect him to chirp, Wilson, Wilson. Uh, but then Snoopy comes to the raft rescue uh and uh because it's the 1970s uh there's no problem that can't be solved with a blow dryer and uh and Woodstock looks very pleased with himself being poofy.
2: Hold on. I like that while the, before the blow dryer happens, I like that Snoopy like goes and rescues Woodstock from a strangely placid, from, you know, Snoopy's point of view, like pool. And right. then just dumps him on top of the birdhouse and goes back inside his doghouse so it stops raining. It's, like an, underhar-
0: yeah, it's an underhand toss. Like, he's <laughs> throwing <laughs> recycling away. Like,
2: whap. All right, we'll see you when it's not raining. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with it's kind your of mouth callous. wide open, so <laughs> rain, so you could possibly drown in the rain like a turkey. But, uh, but yeah, Snoopy, uh, Snoopy, uh, poofs him up, and Woodstock looks very pleased with himself. Too much for asshole Snoopy's taste, so Snoopy then blow dries him into his supper dish. What a day.
2: Snoopy's kind of a bad friend.
1: I mean, we're gonna get to Peppermint Patty, who is on a re- she's a real skid mark for like the last two or three of these. Um, <laughs> it's, I, and I'm, I was actually just thinking about, like, there is a certain continuity between, at the end of Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, um, s- Woodstock eats a turkey, which continues to be a source of controversy, um, and <laughs> snaps a wishbone with Snoopy and flies away, like, it, or is propelled by the force of this wishbone snap, and looks at the camera like, that's right, motherfucker, I got, this, I got this wishbone. And then at the top of this one, he's looking at the camera like, that's right, motherfucker, I'm still here. Like... <laughs>
0: Oh, wait, are you suggesting that it is direct continuity between these two episodes? That Woodstock goes flying with his wishbone, lands in the tree, and is like, "Here's my next crazy adventure." Here you I guys go. aren't gonna
1: believe this. I'm, I'm gonna take a bath.
0: <laughs> Vince, hit me two times.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why
0: you breaking the fourth wall? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and that's and that's. Five minutes of the episode right there uh, without any human being talking. It's sort of like the uh, Star Wars holiday special in in, in micro. But the, so we throw to uh we throw to Charlie Brown and Sally and Sally is pacing around and complaining as usual about school.
1: Well, she she and she's being very she says, I'm doomed. Someone's out to get me. Who's out to get me? And. There's, I mean, we all have a friend like this.
0: Very Nixon, very Nixonian, very like, very of the time. She is, she uh, reverts to paranoia and weirdness throughout this entire. She says,
2: "I'm going to have a nervous breakdown before I'm six years old," which I can relate to. It's like grabbed directly from the comics, though, because school brings Sally an enormous amount of anxiety.
0: So Uh, until she becomes friends with the physical building, which they never quite got around to covering in the uh specials but i always thought that was one of the more weirdly human relationships in the entire strip
2: but then the building commits suicide remember
0: yep love me love my rubble Uh, it is it is one of the weirdest things you could ever hope to see uh in children's programming um this is a thing i've only learned about very
1: recently from josh (laughs) did we talk about this in another episode we, must we have. did because cause you said and then the school got destroyed is how you is the sort of the coda and I was like wait who destroyed the school and you're like no it was like a demolition and I was like oh good so not like meteors or
0: something because wait that's I thought they knocked down the school to make a new one Kathleen is the truth that the school was just like I just can't do this anymore <laughs> I, I
2: oh you're gonna put you're putting me on the spot for my piece knowledge but I'm almost certain that the like that the, the school just sort of collapses under the strain of like its own stress. Oh, that's, that's, that seems more
1: canon though. That seems more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to look this up. (laughs) We will, we will put it in the show notes. So Sally's going to have a nervous breakdown before she's six because every week her teacher makes her bring in a new exhibit, which is a, weird turn of a phrase like it sounds like they're building a museum or something at the school but every week she's got to bring in some science something and she says uh, and now this week I got to bring in something from nature and she says uh, she says a thing that I found myself thinking whenever any of my healthy Los Angeles friends ask me to go on a hike uh, she says
1: why don't we leave nature alone it's not bothering us. Why do we have to bother it?
0: Exactly, Sally Brown, Queen of the Indoor Kids. She has my heart.
1: <laughs> and I related to that as a four-year-old. Like, oh yes,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, are you uh, much of an outdoor kid, Kathleen? Oh God, I Great w- White North.
2: No, I want to stay as far away from the outside as possible. Like, I want my, I want my dealings with the outside uh, to be walking from my friend's house to a restaurant where I can be served a drink or possibly eat a delicious meal. <laughs>
0: We are the people that Sally grew up to be, so oh why? yes, absolutely <laughs> as annoy as annoying as she is in this episode. All she just needs is for the internet to be invented and eat twenty four and just she can push a button and pad tie just shows up whenever she wants it. It's the sweet life kids don't go outside it's a little p s a from Peanuts gallery to you
2: <laughs> hold on i need to I need to cut back in i was I was doubting my my peanuts knowledge with the school. The strip from January 9th, 1976. Charlie Brown picks up the paper. School building collapses during night. Good grief. And then he tells Sally, Don't bother to get up, Sally. Our school fell over last night. Listen to this. And then you see, uh, from the point of view of the, the rubble, just a little thought bubble. I had all I could take. Yeah. He absolutely commits suicide because he's depressed. Wow. I love peanuts. It's so good.
0: Yeah. I hear. Here- <laughs> I don't want to cast aspersions or anything, but I wonder, <laughs> I wonder who else might have been depressed that week. I would I would say probably Charles Schultz and then possibly any child reading that strip that week. What a horrible thing. What an amazing, wonderful, horrible thing. Thank you for double checking that, uh, <laughs> Kathleen. This is exactly why we have you aboard this week. I'm a stickler for details. <laughs> Here's a thing I really like about this week's episode is that everything that happens in the first act goes to theme and plot. We see Woodstock – Yeah, it's so nice. It's so nice when they actually bother to, like, put index cards up on a bulletin board and go, hey, I have an idea. Let's have everything make sense and have actions lead to other actions. We see Woodstock. He's very proud of his nest. We see Sally. She's like, I got to bring in something for my science project. Uh, And she actually says something here. But
2: I'll show her. I won't crack. I
1: refuse to crack. I'll get the best exhibit she's ever
0: seen. Fun fact. The minute you start shouting, I won't crack, I refuse to crack, you've cracked. Mm Mm-hmm. To which Charlie Brown can only go, good grief, as do we all. As he is want to do. (laughs) As the North American and world audience also says. But yeah, so we have we have a nest. We have a person who needs a nest. And then what happens next? The nest disappears um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and again for one of these specials like it's a properly written first act it's it, it does my heart so good kathleen i don't know how many of these specials you've watched but molly and i are working our way through and a lot of these first acts are exhausting nothing garbage
2: Uh, well, I've watched, uh, I believe almost every Peanuts special. I was looking through Peanuts specials and I was like, I don't remember Life's a Circus Charlie Brown, so that one might be like a blip in my knowledge. But I think what most of the Peanuts specials suffer from is, uh, they have, they, they extend their cold open too long, where it's like they haven't quite gotten to the meat of the episode because they're kind of loosely plotted for the most part. And the cold opens are usually drawn from the comics and they're just trying to like fill up animation time. Right? (laughs)
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, uh,
2: this one is a cohesive story
0: it's really it, it almost felt like something was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> now, so uh, woodstock's nest goes missing the possibility that it blew away in a tumultuous rainstorm n- never occurs to anyone, but i guess I, I guess I don't want to judge. Uh, anthropomorphic animals too harshly. But he goes to Snoopy and Snoopy and they, they chitter chatter at each other. And, uh, too much of Snoopy and Woodstock talking to each other sounds like one of those like weird ham radio, like Russian numbers channels. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, can I come in with uh, the novelization? Um, has like <laughs> translates their, their chatter.
0: <gasps> really? Um, oh, this yeah, is very d- exciting.
1: So um, oh. so Woodstock encounters an empty branch where his nest once was and he says some stupid person has stolen my nest and he I'm... runs to Snoopy and Snoopy says your nest is missing you say fear not little friend i the great detective will solve this mysterious case and hmm. as a, as a kid as i was watching the special i knew that like i was like oh well that's that's what that is i was like thinking like you know when you watch klingon on star trek And you're like, oh, okay, I kind of, I picked up one Klingon word there, or they have subtitles, and you're like, that's how you say that in Klingon. I just went, okay, so that must, like, I assumed, like, that Woodstock spoke a real language that I would one day be able to learn because I had a (laughs) translation
2: somewhere. Well, because in the comics, it's just like little hash
0: marks, right? Yes. Which, uh, which makes a cameo in You're Not Elected, Charlie Brown, when, uh, mm-hmm. Woodstock has to point, uh, paint a sign and he turns it around. It's oh. just, it's just the hash marks. And, uh, I think, I don't know if that made it into that episode, but it seems to be the only time that the specials acknowledge the comic strip, uh, which was a nice little Easter egg for me. So, uh, Snoopy dresses up like Sherlock Holmes. Uh, he's got a bubble pipe and, uh, I hope viewing public that you think a giant bubble landing on Woodstock's head and popping is funny because it is a visual gag we see 900,000 times. Well, you see Uh, it
2: three times and then the fourth time they do the comedy rule and they subvert it.
0: The old, the old rule of fours.
2: I feel like they, I feel like somebody said, Oh, funny things in comedy always happen in threes, but they, they forgot to tell them that like the third time is when it changes. So it's like, Uh, and
0: of course, animation is expensive. So anytime that you can uh, reuse something, go ahead and reuse it. So now night has fallen. They go to Charlie Brown's house, uh, where they wake him up from a dead sleep, uh, and then I'm looking at just the dialogue that I pulled uh, from this transcription. And if you don't know what's going on, it sounds like it could literally be from like an actual crime movie or a Tarantino movie. Like there's something very stark and terrifying about it. And it is weird. I don't know what you two thought. I found it, the lighting of it, like well blandished and weirdly sinister. I have the transcript.
1: Would you like the transcript? I'm very excited about having paper material. Um, cause he says stuff like, why are you giving me the third degree? And I refuse to confess to anything I don't know about. Like, yeah,
0: it's, it, it's genuinely terrifying.
1: Bonkers and a half.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's like a fantastic parody of like a, a crime scene interrogation. Uh, which uh, only suffers from one problem, is that the intended audience of this special has no idea what they are supposed to be parodying. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, why is Snoopy being
0: so mean? And of course now it's hilarious, right? But yeah. And it's funny, <laughs> he's not this mean to anybody else. Like he really, all of his, the rest of his investigations are more just sort of by the numbers, but he goes into Charlie Brown's house hot. Uh, to the point where my head cannon for the fade out is that Snoopy and Woodstock then work over Charlie Brown with a sock of oranges. Like, <laughs> you just, it's just, and possibly cut off an ear. Like, it's, it's going reservoir Snoopy fast. That's a horrible image. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're well It's a sock of oranges, Charlie Brown. <laughs> and then, a, and then we have, then they, uh, head over to Linus and Lucy's place. Uh, and, uh, who are, I noted, wide goddamn awake. like Yeah, Charlie Brown's the only one to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, wait, did he awake from a coma? Or does he go to, like, is it like four in the afternoon? And he's like, well, well it's I've, dark. I've failed enough for one day. Uh, <laughs> I guess oh. I'll just go lay down. It's dark, so, like, I assume it's, like, at least
2: 7 p.m., we'll say, canonically, Peanuts is uh, takes place somewhere in... America in sort of the, like, upper to middle latitudes. Um, and, uh, because they get snow. So it's probably based on Minneapolis. And so you guys don't get, um, nights that are as long as they do, uh, as you do up here in Canada. It, there's noticeable difference and schools in session. So it's got to be like either spring or fall, right? It's not winter because there's no snow on the ground. So I'll say like yeah. it's maybe 7 p.m. I have a daughter, so I watch a lot of Peppa Pig, and some people just go to bed unreasonably early. Like, Peppa's family is like, well, 7 p.m., time to turn in. And I'm like, oh, she's going to get ideas about what a normal bedtime
0: is from this cartoon. (laughs) Which is like a good thing and a bad thing. I
2: think we we had
1: there was a special, I don't remember which one, but where Charlie Brown was just like, well, I'm a fuck up and I'm depressed. And he goes to bed at like 4 p.m. Do you remember this, Josh?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, a hundred percent. I've done that. I've had days like that. I think we've all had days like that. <laughs>
2: this, this time would be better spent asleep. <laughs> that's what he does at the end of a boy named Charlie Brown. He goes to bed at like, like as soon as he gets home because he's so bummed out.
0: That's where we talked that about must it. Be yes. It, yeah. And, and I and I think and I think it was Allie who was like, "Yes, absolutely. I've been there." <laughs> but yeah, no, no, seven p.m. bedtime at Compound B at the Van Pelt household. They are they are wide awake and uh just doing whatever when snoopy uh buffaloes his way in not before showing his uh his badge his number 1 badge connoting he is the number 1 dog detective
1: he's just the first person in town to think to make a badge so he <laughs> he gets <the> a <laughs> badge for-
0: I did it! I made a badge, everyone! Well, (laughs) take it. (laughs) Ha ha, suckers. Y'all number two from now on.
1: (laughs) Well, nobody's Uh, asked for a badge before stamp. I sort of wrote like a little status update just so I remembered like what each character did in this episode. And really my note for Snoopy was just like he has a Sherlock Holmes costume and he wants to show everybody. (laughs) He just wants everybody to know about it.
0: (laughs) Uh I'll be I'll be even more cynical going off of Kathleen's uh thesis statement that they realize like if Snoopy wears a hat in an episode, we can sell him wearing a hat. Absolutely. Put that on a mug.
1: There must have been like a Snoopy as Sherlock Holmes plush that was available at the time, wouldn't you
0: think? I mean, I'm sure we could go on eBay and find 500 of them right now. Uh but uh but I really want I don't really need a, a Sherlock Holmes Snoopy. I do kind of want a number one badge and an official fingerprint kit. Uh, he buffaloes his way in, grabs Lucy by the wrist. And, uh, jabs his th- uh, jabs her thumb onto a piece of paper. And that's it. That's fingerprinting. And then he dumps <laughs> basically an entire sandbox's worth of dirt in the Van Pelt household and just starts going through the motions of, uh, of dusting for fingerprints. Uh, again, I certainly, I don't know about you two, but if I were to see this as a child, I don't know if I would know what he was doing. Uh, that's an understatement. I mean, I did, but I think only from
1: other cartoons like this, you know? Like. Sure. And I, I mean, there were definitely like, you know, kids' forensics kits that were sold that had <laughs> like, you know, like,
0: just like. CSI, children. It
1: was just like. I do remember that. Yeah, it was like a makeup brush and some baby powder, basically. And maybe like a magnifying glass. Cause Harriet the Spy was a thing. Uh, and I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I know I'm kind of, you know, a little younger than, than you guys, but like, that was, I was right at that, that target demo. Like, yes, I can be a girl spy also. Woo. Like, and you know, like boxcar children. Oh, no, boxcar children didn't solve mysteries. Who am I thinking of? Hardy boys. You know, like, there's always like kids who kind of understand amateur detective work, you know.
0: And it's so interesting to me that's, but again, it's all, it's all about the marketing and all about the Snoopy. Like, Mm-hmm. This would be an awesome opportunity to have, like, say, Linus try and solve the crime, uh, because Linus is sort of the town smarty pants, but not in this episode. Uh, and <laughs> no. Kathleen, uh, may, uh, this is another thing that you could maybe shine a light on. I feel like in the specials, Linus kind of ping pongs back and forth between being like a font of all earthly knowledge or a person wandering the streets, just muttering <laughs> to himself. And
1: in this well, he's episode, he's like styling on the Bible in this one. Like he's <laughs>
2: ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Snoopy will find it and find it. He must ashes to ashes and dust to dust. When there is a problem and Snoopy, we trust. That I did was not get of- that reference as a kid. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I actually looked up Ashes to Ashes because of course I only know it from this special and the Bowie song. It's, it is, to the best of my knowledge, not from the Bible, it's from funeral rites. What? Why is he saying that?
1: He just assumes there's been a murder, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's, and so, I guess, Was there, in your opinion, (laughs) Kathleen, a continuity of Linus-ness throughout the strip? Because I feel like in the specials and in the movies, in one episode, he's super smart. And then in another episode, he's just sort of staring into space, muttering things to himself.
2: Um, I feel like Linus is definitely one of the more erratically characterized characters because he's either smart or or amazingly infantile when the sort of narrative calls for, right? Like, he's incredibly smart. He's got this fantastic insight into, like, the human condition and, like, wants to do good for the world and all of these things. Sort of in... He's a very polar opposite of Lucy that way, who's very sort of selfish and inward-looking. Um But, you know, occasionally he's just very dumb or very oblivious to what's happening Maybe he's so smart, he's just sort of tuned everything out and is, you know, contemplating life's mysteries in his own head. And, like, he's not even really registering what's going on. He's just thinking about the funeral rites, and that's what's coming out here, right? (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) And uh, I I will also point out that in this entire thing, he you know, it's the ashes to ashes, dust to dust, proof of the pudding, Snoopy will find it. Has word gotten around town that Woodstock's Nest got pinched. Like, like, uh, inle- you know, unless it went out, there was like an APB on Woodstock's nest. But, I, but Linus just seems really content that this weird dog cosplaying ben- Benedict Cumberbatch has wandered into their house <laughs> and is looking for something. And whatever the fuck it is, Linus is just like, dude's gonna find it. If there's Linus one thing I know like- about Snoopy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Linus is just like, all right, I'm just letting all of this wash over me. Sure, this is happening. Like, he's very chill. I appreciate that. <laughs> I feel like in later life, Linus has, like, an enormous bong. And he's, like, still very, like, contemplating life's mysteries, but he is stoned as fuck. But it's not, like, terribly different from how he is as
0: a he's child. He's, like, shaking
1: seeds out of his blanket.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's what he stuffs under the door. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My headcanon for Linus has always been, uh, like, Linus is a child, uh, stoner, and then priest. Like, I've always, I've always thought that this guy, but he's like, he's kind of, oh God, I can't remember, uh, his name, but he's kind of like, uh, the priest in Doonesbury, uh, the hip young priest who can talk to the young. Like, he was that kind of like 1970s, like wearing, you know, wearing priest studs, but somehow there are still patches on the elbows kind of priest.
1: Well, do you imagine that, Sh- I mean, Schroeder's not in this one, thank God, um, cause fuck, fuck that guy. That guy. Yeah. I'm so. Um, but I'm like,
0: sorry, Kathleen. I apologize for my language. I really hate Schroeder.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, because in, in the television canon so far, he's a drip. Like, but um, but do you imagine like Schroeder would go like in your head canon? And then we'll get back to it's a mystery. But in your head <laughs> canon, does he remain like straight edge, or does he kind of go through like a beat poet phase and like? Sort of g- fall in with, like, the hip sort of artsy it, it, contingent. It, it's
2: so hard to do, because Schroeder, like, throughout, is just such a one-dimensional character. Like, he likes Beethoven music. Like, he is also the catcher, probably, because Charles Schultz needed somebody to play catcher. You'd think yeah. that he wouldn't want to be a catcher, because, like, you'd think he'd be worried about his hands, right? Like, Right. Like well, Maybe it's just hubris on tip? his part. I don't know, like, but uh, I feel like Schroeder definitely falls in with, like, the art school kids and then never talks to any of the neighborhood kids again. Like, that's my headcanon. Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I wonder if he and Linus went to like the same college and they just, and Schroeder was just like, like immediately iced Linus out.
2: Oh, absolutely. Like, like, like they went to like a college for like gifted students or like for like, they went to the smart kid school that like Charlie Brown and Pepper and Patty just certainly did not. But I think they maybe, maybe they went with, with Marcy to the same university or college or, or whatever you'd call it in the States. And, uh, Yeah,
0: we call it we call it smartening school (laughs) back to the special, uh, which I guess we're talking about Uh, Snoopy Snoopy finds like a broom straw. And this is enough for him to slap the most the world's most ineffective handcuffs. I mean, Uh, he
2: does run up by Woodstock and Woodstock's like, yeah, sure. That's mine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it checks out, boss. All right. Uh, well, hand me my, uh, the world's most ineffective handcuffs that seem to be made of gummy material, uh, slaps them on Lucy, uh, Lucy very quickly, uh, like, it's almost like a professional wrestling move, like, it's real sweet, but, like, flings him out of the house, slams the door... Snoopy retrieves Woodstock, I think, and then uh, just stands there fuming that her evening of standing around doing nothing has been interrupted. And Linus says another like, well, hey, uh, did you know that ashes to ashes, dust to dust? Ashes to ashes and dust to
2: dust. The proof of the pudding is under the crust.
0: Ah! And Lucy replies with an "Og," which uh, Molly uh, Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think this might be, so far in the specials canon, the only justified AUG because Linus is just being a real drip.
1: We could probably take account of, like, when there are AUGs, who are they directed at? And I would imagine a lot of them are directed at Linus.
0: Yeah, but I feel like the AUGs are generally aimed at people enjoying themselves, which I guess Linus (laughs) is. Like, th- this is a running thing that we have, Kathleen, that no uh, expression of joy is ever met with anything besides immediate scorn and revulsion. Uh But in this case, I think Linus is just being a pain in the butt little brother, Uh which and going back to kind of what you were saying about him going back and forth, what we we're all sort of saying, I think in that way. If I may step out of making fun of these characters for a minute, I feel what? like, I know, uh, I feel like maybe that's closest to child behavior. Mm. That like, like especially like gifted child behavior uh, that they can be super smart and lucid one minute and then grab onto something and just say it over and over again until you're just like, oh, I, I wish I was anywhere else in the world right now than hearing this kid talk about like dinosaurs or where proof can be found in a pudding.
1: And I think we've also talked um, about, like, in these specials, there te- there's a tendency among the Peanuts gang in general to just kind of learn a new phrase and then just kind of spit it out at any sort of, at any possible opportunity. Because that was our theory about, like, why Charlie Brown was misusing the word commercial in the Christmas special. Sure. And so, like, clearly, like, this is very kid behavior. Like, Linus has kind of found, like, this is, this is my phrase and there are things that rhyme with it. And this is my Linus voice. Um, <laughs> and it's surprising sometimes when you're like, Oh, that's a recognizable sibling interaction that just happened instead of right. a bunch of tiny mopey adults, in uh, you know,
0: Sebastian <laughs> album. Um, very, by the way, the not, there are like three musical themes in this episode. Uh, and, uh, there's the deeply funky one. There's the joke, cool attorney at law one. And then there's <laughs> that, uh, I, that sort of, uh, it sounds, it's sort of Woodstock's theme, I guess, but it actually hits a lot of the same chords as uh, Bell and Sebastian's Stars of Track and Field, uh, and uh, <laughs> it, it just made, we don't have to include this in the episode. I'm not even sure why I said it out loud, except I'm a white <laughs> man, and I like talking about music. Marcy's house! Cut to Marcy's house, which means that Snoopy and Woodstock walked far across town. Yeah, I I was
2: confused uh when I rewatched this. I was like, why did they go all the way over here? Cuz we know that Marcy and Peppermint Patty and uh Franklin go to a different elementary school. Mm-hmm. Uh that's uh canon in the comics and several specials. Yep. And but like like is this a kids across town kind of idea like where it's actually only a few blocks but like it's the dividing line between two schools or something like that so you just never go over there? It's got right or is it actually
0: that, town. <laughs> well, I mean, in he's your dog Charlie Brown. Like, there's practically like a Harry Nilsson. Everybody's everybody's talking sequence where Snoopy just sort of walks what seems like for days because Peppermint Patty's house, as if I, if I remember correctly, is the halfway point between Charlie Brown's house and the Daisy Hill Puppy Farm. But like, even as a kid. Things that seemed a hundred thousand miles away, you go back to your old town and you're like, Oh, no, that, the pizza place was just across the street. Like, you know, yeah. time telescopes and is weird. Or, and this is just another theory, nobody who produced these specials ever watched any of the old specials or read the comic strip and they didn't care.
2: No, that's not true. I know that like, I know that lots of people basically, it's the same names on all the specials. And like, you know, and Bill Melendez was pretty heavily like, I mean, yes, he didn't direct this one. But like, there's still enough continuity to be like, no, I've done these voices forever. Like, this is weird. Like, he must have looked at the script at least, right? I feel like they just didn't care to make anything sort of like lay these hard and fast rules down. Because it's sort of like a weird, like, sort of like not really real world, right? Like, you never see adults. These children are running around without
0: supervision. Oh, weird. There's- what happened to the adults? What what might have happened to the adults, do you think? Lumps. No. <laughs> <laughs> Lumps! Oh, hey! Snoopy's at Marcy's house. Um, oh, right. Oh! Before before I get off of a tangent, let me go on one quick other tangent. Uh, okay, there's another I have a tangent also. This is another Kathleen question because Kathleen, at the top of the episode, you pointed out that a lot of this stuff is from the strip, but I was I was trying to pour through what's left of my uh, medical marijuana strained memory. Uh, <laughs> This particular, the main overarching A plot of It's a Mystery Charlie Brown. No. Not from the strip.
2: No, no. The main, the, the A plot of the episode is not from the strip, but some sort of like individual beats of the jokes are from the strip.
0: Yeah. That's, like, that's what I thought.
2: Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I sure we have seen Marcy's house outside of her just standing, holding like an old fashioned telephone, but Mm -hmm. I don't know what canonically Marcy's house looks like. We we
0: see it fleetingly in the specials. Um, she lives in stately Wayne Manor. Uh, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the previous episode, uh, there's no time for love, Charlie Brown.
1: Yeah, she li- she bolts out of bed at four in the morning and is like, "Oh no, I'm late for my field trip!" and like runs down this curved staircase. It's a very good shot, but we're like, "Where does she live? What is this place?"
0: She lives on the set of a Kate Bush video. <laughs> <laughs> These next two scenes are my two absolute favorite scenes. Uh, in the entire thing, I don't know how you two felt about this. They go to marcy's house and 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 ask her and it's the only time I think so far in the episodes in the uh of the specials that Snoopy has attempted to communicate with a human using language and thinks what he's doing is working uh I'm gonna say sure, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a quiz. I'm just, but it's just, it's just very funny. It made me think that I would love to watch like an entire detective. He reminded me of Peter Falk and Columbo for some reason. Maybe it's just because he was like muttering and it was all very guttural. And, and Just one more thing. That's my incredible Peter Falk impression. Everybody take that. I, I got Peter Falk from that. It's fine.
2: When did Col- <laughs> but when did Columbo come out? Like maybe, maybe he's supposed to be parroting Columbo and this is just a cultural reference that's been lost to the ages. Uh. I don't know. For me, it's just... 71. There you oh, go. Oh, you're probably supposed to be parenting Columbo, which is hilarious to adults and incomprehensible to children. Well, I there seems feel... There be some... Hmm, that's a yeah. lot. That's peanuts in a nutshell a
1: lot of the time, though.
0: <laughs> I feel like especially in this episode, though, because as Peanuts became the special, certainly they are always for children. But I think as we've all sort of talked about, as the strip progressed and matured or immatured rather, like there became less and less stuff in episodes for adults. So I feel like anything that is sort of like any bone they could throw people over five was probably much appreciated. Also, an interesting thing to note. And I'll open this up to the team. Does Marcy just call everyone, sir?
1: That was what I was thinking. Yeah, because we uh, in there's no time for love. We were like, why is does she insistently misgender peppermint Patty? And why does she like she's asked specifically not to call people, sir? And why does she is she an asshole? Is she playing everybody this whole time? But it definitely seems like a like a tick at this point.
2: She's very And formal. I mean, she hangs
1: out with Peppermint Patty. Yeah, it's very, and we weren't sure if, like, maybe it's, like, sort of a military kind of, like, you know, we we have sort of a theory that maybe Peppermint Patty and Marcy are from sort of military stock, and sort of that's, you know, why there's sort of this uh, honorific that she just sticks to. It's just kind of, you're a person of authority, and so I will call you sir. But
2: but Marcy's uh, always very deferential to everyone. She calls Charlie Brett. Brad- she calls him Charles. Consistently. That's true. That's weird. Like she's she never just is like, hey, hey, friend, hey, pal. She's just like, or sir, quite
0: frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I uh, let's drop in this exchange, should we feel like it, uh, because uh, I I, I mean
1: she's on screen for twenty five seconds. We can drop the whole thing in if we want.
0: I don't understand, sir. I don't understand you, sir.
2: You don't make any sense, sir.
0: I don't understand you, sir. Good night, sir. I've decided, and I would like, uh, I think everyone should follow suit. I feel like this video clip is going to be my permanent response to ass bags on the internet because this is what I feel like every conversation between somebody being a jerk and somebody not being a jerk is, it's just sort of like these weird guttural growls and the other person going like, yeah, I don't really see where you're coming from. Good night. Door slam. Uh, it's really a very satisfying scene. Uh, and just like a really perfect way in my mind to visualize, uh, the thousand million percent of people on the internet who are jerks
2: it's a, it's a good response i think if you sent them this they'd be like i don't what what is this even from right <laughs> i don't get it
1: i feel like you can use any of these interactions like snoopy going to someone's house having some interaction getting thrown out in some way you can use any of them as analogs for like how to deal with randos and weirdos on the internet
2: um yes.
1: <laughs> you know because Pigpen, you know, we'll get to that has a response that I have definitely just like, I will outstink you or like, uh, you know, Peppermint Patty's response is very aggressive. Like, yeah, well, I'm this kind of weirdo. Get back me or back off me. You know, like, I think you can take that approach just kind of into your life. You know, any of those approaches.
0: Uh, Lucy, I feel like has the only really realistic response, which is, hey, what the fuck are you doing in my house? Do we all realize that this is completely insane? That a dog has come in, has started spreading around dirt, and everybody else is at, like, Marcy is unfailingly polite, and, uh, and then Pigpen, uh, I love this scene so much. It's such a perfect Pigpen cameo, and maybe my favorite thing Pigpen has done in a special so far. He shows up on Pigpen's door, and, uh, and Pigpen is just like,
2: you? I haven't seen you for quite a while. How have you been? <coughs> nice
0: talking to you. Come again. I don't have too many
2: visitors.
0: Because he lives in Grey Gardens ostensibly. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You look You look over his shoulder and the house looks pretty tidy. None of Pigpen's dirt seems to stick to anything. My big question here was, Has Pigpen, did everybody just get sick of Pigpen's shit and ostracize him until he gets his act together? I don't know if Pigpen, I don't sense that
1: Pigpen was invited in the first place. He's just kind of there and no one tells him that. Like, I definitely have friends who, they just kind of smell. They're just kind of dirty and they smell. And you just kind of consider that when you invite them to things. Because you can't say, hey dude, you smell. Like, that's just kind of not in their vocabulary.
0: And now we're going to list them all by name.
2: I'll have you know I'm <laughs> allergic to deodorant, by the way. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I'm always, like, unfailingly, like, paranoid about being about this fact. And I'm always like, oh, do I need to spritz myself down with hand sanitizer? Ah. Um, I feel like Pigpen just sort of lives in the neighborhood and sort of tags along. And I think Pigpen sort of got phased out of the comics just because Charles... Because Schultz invented, like, you know, because Pigpen's, like, from one of the OG crew, you know. He's, like, the Shermy and the Patties and, like, stuff like that, hanging around with those kids. And then once, you know, you had more interesting sort of B characters come along, that it was basically, he's he's been reduced to cameo status. Because he's really, like, the one, he's kind of, like, a mean joke. This kid is dirty. Maybe he's poor, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I remember that's... Jesus, that's dark. I know. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I never, th- I never thought that related to like his socioeconomic status. I always just thought like, yeah, some kids are just filthy. They just don't like bats. I didn't particularly love bathing until my mom was just like, dude, you smell awful. And then every day I was like, well, I'm taking a shower for the rest of my life. Uh, the end. Uh, but I do, I sort of like the idea that this is, we are watching like, there's almost like a meta narrative here of Schultz phasing him out. And that's why Pigpen's like, I don't get a lot of visitors. Like you said, Molly, like he is now going into his gray gardens mode. Please include like... me in
1: this A plot, please.
0: <laughs> Although it's a little turnabout is fair play because Snoopy did uh, cover uh, uh, Lucy and Linus's house with filth. And now it's like, ah, how do you like it, Snoopy? How do you like a mouthful of filth? You ridiculous creature! I don't know why I'm harboring so much aggression against Snoopy, but but that long shot of him just going, of uh, Pigpen going, I don't have too many visitors. I don't know about you two. My heart kind of broke.
1: Well, yeah, uh. you never see. I mean, in in the animated specials, especially that's hard to say. Like you don't the little glimpses you get of his personality are like he's building a snowman or he's you know watching the the school board elections come in or whatever, and he i i' just I'm just kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt like because we've not seen him be shitty or dysfunctional in the way that ever the rest of the gang is, I have to assume
2: he's very sweet because that's all you ever see of him yeah I and mean, and he's failing like unfailingly normal and well adjusted he's just kind of like a dirty kid. <laughs> Maybe they don't hang out with him because he's too normal. <laughs> right. There's nothing they can scrutinize. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. No faults to exploit. Yeah. The fact, despite the fact, actually, I know that, like, I think, oh, God, I don't remember exactly what's triggering this, but I know that, that uh, despite the fact he is kind of a dirty kid, uh, Pigpen does sort of have, like, good self-esteem and is like, I may be dirty, but like, my inside is really not, like, or something like that. I remember this yeah, from like, have, a special or a movie. I, I
0: have clean thoughts, I think. Is, yes. Yeah. That's it.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe maybe they don't hang out with him because he's well-adjusted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's weird. I almost feel like then this is like his first inkling, like, oh, maybe the filthy lifestyle is not sustainable if I want to be a part of modern society.
1: I have to assume he's got just a cadre of filthy friends that we never see, you know?
0: Oh, I mean, that, if that's not a thing that's gonna happen in college, I, I don't know what is. (laughs) Like, uh, that's true. Maybe him and Linus, because they both become like, you know, kind of like underground, artsy kids. Maybe, maybe Linus gets a little filthy. Who even knows?
1: I have to imagine what, from what we, what sort of behavior we've seen from Linus, um, and sort of his, his slavish devotion to the great pumpkin and so on, that he goes, he, like, Gets through half of his freshman year and then joins a cult and drops out. You know what I mean? Like, he decides to live on a on a co op farm or or something like that. He seems very like seventies. Yeah, definitely very seventies. And,
2: and, and, and like grow out
1: dreadlocks
0: or something like that.
1: Oh! Oh! <laughs> For because it's true. Uh. And
0: that boy grew up to be Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows. <laughs> official head cannon. <laughs>
1: No, no. He covers his dreads with the blanket. Yeah, that's like, instead of oh, making
0: it worse for a Oh, no. Oh, that's even worse. Like a culturally oh. appropriate head wrap. Oh, minus why?
2: This is a horrible rabbit hole we've all gone down together. Welcome to the podcast.
0: <laughs> we all just made an og sound. That's og! what we all just did. It's that's true. true because ah. i actually you two couldn't see it but only uh my hindquarters and my feet could be seen the rest of them, <laughs> the rest of my body completely disappeared i and just to, just to put a kind of a little uh cap on the pig pen conversation because we've only been talking about him for 45 goddamn minutes uh my fault I I mentioned, like, when he's like, I don't have visitors, that my heart kind of broke. And I don't know if I've been able to, like, really put this into words in other episodes, but in this one especially, and as a. There's just not a lot of heart in these episodes. This. And I want, and, and, and Kathleen, I wonder if this is something you could maybe, uh, speak to. As a big fan of the strips and as somebody who's sort of been through that whole canon, do you find that. Do you find that the heart sort of began to evaporate it, ev- evaporate from it as well or do you think that's a thing that happened more in the specials?
2: Uh no, it definitely does. It's just sort of different timelines. Like I think that the that the first specials are very much like, oh this is this is sort of the essence of Peanuts but transferred to like, you know, the small screen and stuff like that. And the first movie, A Boy Named Charlie Brown is is beautiful and wonderful. And sort of as it goes on, the specials are more like, hey, we need to make more specials. Let's merch, like, more holidays. more holidays. They have an Arbor Day special. Come on. We'll get there. Right? It's coming up. (laughs) I'm excited for that one. But, like, I want to hear you guys tear it apart. But, like, you know, like, they're just like, oh, how could we make this into a huge merchandising machine and, like, really crank out what the people want?
0: And really, and wait, what, Kathleen? And really cash in on all that sweet, sweet Arbor Day money? Well, but, like, just at
2: the time, there's just a huge demand for anything peanuts, right? And they're like, well, whatever, just a special about this, a special about that. And just, like, the quality went down. And then I don't think the comics like there's nothing like the sort of the 50s and the 60s for like depressing Charlie Brown comics like that's just like yeah. beautiful. Yeah. But this, I like the 70s and the 80s comics in their own kind of way. It's kind of what I grew up reading, you know, and like they're very different. It's like almost like a completely different strip, but they're kind of nice. But then just like and I feel like in the, once you get to the 90s it's clearer Shills so is just going through the motions at this point. Yeah. Right? Like that's
0: depressing. <laughs> Yay, good times. Yay. Good time comedy jokes podcast. Um I will I will say I will say that it kind of uh it kind of bums me out a little that we will not get to this special until 2037. Uh but happiness is a warm blanket, Charlie Brown, which I Ugh. think might have been the most recent if not the last made for TV Charlie Brown special mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a deep deep even like in designs and they quote the very first strip at one point that if you have not i, I assume you've seen it kathleen because you've seen all. No, this i haven't stuff.
2: actually i i have not seen any peanut specials issued after charles schultz died because the quality decline was horrible like i think at, it's christmas time again charlie brown is probably the nadir of all peanut specials
0: oh garbage I, specials <laughs> we will not i don't know if we've officially said this out loud molly but we won't i don't think we'll cover stuff like that will we
1: I I don't th- I I especially agree with like after Sparky's death like just kind of calling calling the whole thing off, um, and I think it's Christmas time again. Is is that before or after that? Because I also hate that one.
0: No, they made a bunch of garbage specials that were like it was like somebody had a copy of the very first pressing of the Flash animation suite, and they just look goddamn terrible. And they're not bad, and they're like badly written
2: and yep. just not funny and like like I mean not. The pacing is still really slow, even though they're made like 25 years after the special. Well, they're, right?
0: yeah, they're very, they're very Charlie Brown and Snoopy show, which is to say, like, and when you say the writing's terrible, there's none to speak of. It's just strip, 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 strip. It's not, there's not, there's but no, there's, go ahead.
2: There is some appeal to that, but like, there's even more late period specials where it's original writing and it's even worse. Uh,
0: but I cannot, I cannot say enough of, about Happiness is a Warm Blanket Charlie Brown, which they brought in, like, a real honest to God cartoon artist who is a huge fan of, I can't remember his name right now, uh, and they actually, like, they made a thing. They made an actual thing that aspired to be a work of art. And, uh, it is miserably depressing in parts. Uh, it's, you know what, uh, Kathleen, you'll know this. It's based on the arc in the strip when, uh, Linus and Lucy's grandmother is coming to town. Oh. Uh, yes.
2: Yes. Okay. And then Lucy, uh, uh, Connives to get the blanket away from Linus, and then Linus accepts some sort of grandmother based bribery, and then is like gets the shakes and withdrawal, I think. Yeah, with and that has happens. to. And, oh, this one! Yeah, yes. it's incredible. I haven't
0: seen this special. It's genuinely incredible. And then Linus ends up digging holes all over town, like a junkie who lost his stash in like a. Mm-hmm. When he was nodding, he just put it somewhere and doesn't know where it is. It's great. But back to It's a Mystery, Charlie Brown. Uh, uh, Snoopy concludes his canvassing of uh, all of the various compounds of wherever the fuck they are in Minnesota and ends up at Peppermint Patty's house. Uh, I'm going to say this for the record. This is the worst voiceover work in the history of these specials to date. Are there some? To date, yes. To where we oh to where we are in the depth charge of peanut specials Patty's my note here is Patty's voice could be used to get confessions out of criminals. It should be played around the palaces of despots. It is the sonic equivalent of a sock of oranges.
2: <laughs> I mean it is a real kid's voice, which is nice like I, I appreciate that they use real children's voices
1: yeah for and this. that is a the thing and, they
2: move away from later so i'm I'm glad for that. It it could be
0: worse, I guess. It's true. And you get the, and she, so Snoopy shows up on Peppermint Patty's doorstep and, uh, she's like, what, what are we doing? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I just want to point out Peppermint Patty's home decor, all pink, palatial curved staircase.
2: When do they go upstairs? How does Snoopy run downstairs during this scene? That always confused me. Oh, it
0: makes, I think that, I think Peppermint Patty may have a portal. I think, yeah. I think she might have worked, uh, for, uh, oh god, I can't, I'm blanking because, of course, I haven't played a, uh, Aperture. She, where, her parents.
2: <laughs> there's no, there's no mom. Pepper and Patty only has a dad.
0: Cannot, in the strip, in the strip, that is the case. In the co- in the specials, she has a mom.
2: What? When? what sometimes. special? Does she have a mom? Yes. Well, cause in, in
1: Thanksgiving, uh, the one right prior to this, she said, my dad's been called out of town and there was no mention of a mom. So they play oh. real fast and loose with the strip canon.
2: Yeah, I feel like in the I feel like in the strip canon, it's just like her just she's left completely unsupervised as children were back in the day. Yeah, right? yeah hence love
0: she, theory. Yeah, and yeah. she actually she actually has I and now I forget which parent it is because it's one parent in the strip doesn't exist, and then in the other one. She has one or both and it's not. And this is actually, I, because I remember checking it on the wiki and they actually say like, there is. Like a divergence. <laughs> yeah. There's, spe- there's canon for specials and then there's canon for the strip. Oh and, uh, the canon for specials appears to be none. Uh, but I will say, uh, that jibes the, she lives in a very pink house. Uh, perhaps, uh, that's what inspired John Cougar Mellencamp low these many years ago, uh, which, uh, which kind of scans for her, like maybe her tomboyish ways An outdated phrase to be sure, but certainly something that she would have been described as, uh, back in the Diz. Uh, I feel like that would be why she was just sort of like a sporty sandals and soccer Jersey kind of kid because she lives in like a very pink, pristine place.
2: I was supposed to say, I wonder, though, considering how fast and loose they play with continuity, I wonder if, like, in another, if you ever see Inside of Pepper and Patty's House again, I wonder if it looks completely different. I mean, I wonder if they just didn't care, which there, is probably
0: more likely. That is, yeah, oh, what <laughs> was that, that's the razor that you came up with a couple episodes ago, right, Molly?
1: Oh, yeah, uh, M- Melendelson's razor. Is that what we
0: decided to call it? Um, yes, Melendelson's razor.
1: Which is, uh, there's, cause, you know, Occam's razor and Hanlon's razor. So, M- Melendelson's razor is never attributed to stupidity, what you can attribute to a low blandishment budget. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And with that, a lack of investment on the uh, on the case of the blandishers. So, uh, Peppermint Patty, who is a game day player, to be sure, sees mm-hmm. Snoopy in his uh in his Cumberbatch cosplay and is like, Are we playing cops and robbers? All right, let's do this shit. Here we go. And then she beats the fuck out of Snoopy for five minutes.
1: Josh, where did you get that clip of Peppermint Patty's voice
0: work? That was It's uncanny. It's not Ah. far off. It's really grating uh, to the point where I was glad I had the, well, in the book, in the book of mystery.
1: It's, it's, it's all the lines from that scene, except for one, which I added on a post-it note. Um, which was the all right copper it's your money or
0: you get cement shoes fucking fantastic of course you leave that out of the children's book uh (laughs) because i don't i didn't know that was the one line that i was like okay i have to find a transcript because i don't know what she's saying uh and when i was like oh cement shoes oh that's kind of dark that's dark (laughs) that's very difficult um but she – this is my fa- – voice acting aside, this is my favorite Peppermint Patty, the Peppermint Patty who uses outdated slang. I love it. Uh, Wait, it wasn't outdated in 1974, I get the idea that Peppermint Patty, due to
2: a lack of parental supervision, was allowed to watch a lot of shows the other kids aren't. We've sort of posited,
1: like – a lot of the like, where did this kid get this from? Just comes from like, these are kids with no adults and they are just like media saturated in general. Cause like Lucy seems to get all her ideas of like, here's how I'm gonna win Schroeder over from like Cosmo. You know, she's like, yeah. I'll do a little, I'll feather dust his piano and then I'll give him a little scritch on the face. Like that kind of like, where did, where did you, but you're a child, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the magazines in the waiting room for her psychiatry booth obviously so she chases <laughs> snoopy around the house they go through a portal an aperture industries portal uh and end up upstairs and then run down on un- this must be the elaborate staircase district where they live must be <coughs> do you, uh, do be you
1: think maybe they excluded a feature like a scene where they went upstairs just to like You know, spare us having to spend more time on that. Because it was just too graphic?
2: No, just like, I
1: mean, we've got, we have to, (laughs) just to make room for more like hilarious bubble Like it got
2: cut for time or something? Yeah. Maybe Pepper and Patty and Marcy and Franklin just live in a more upscale neighborhood and it's not like these like one story ranchers like everybody else lives in. It's like their houses with
0: stairs, all very fancy. I also am going to start using one story rancher as my new put down du jour. Ah, what do you think, Yeah, a bunch of one-story ranchers, that's all you are
1: You get you get cement shoes, you one-story rancher
0: Well, a slight note, uh, w- very few photos of human beings in the Peanuts world, which is to say almost none uh, But Molly caught this uh, when we were colluding before the episode When they run down the mystery staircase There oh, is a portrait There is a portrait yes. of someone With like a, a beard
2: or a mustache or something
0: definitely a mustache
1: and some kind of red sort of double-breasted thing with like epaulets like some sort of which kind of adds water
2: to your military theory yeah exactly
0: definitely but i uh i I, I, my initial response when i saw it was like wait is that a royal canadian mountie (laughs) like that's that's my only guess because it was either that or a member of the Institute of Planar Research and Exploration from the Adventure Zone, possibly a red robe, like that does give credence to the idea that this is a military family. But what military? Like the
1: Civil War, it seems from the costumery. The blues and the grays and the reds. Who were the,
2: the reds? Ra- <laughs> yes, maybe, the- maybe maybe peppermint patties from old Prussian stock or something. <laughs> Her, her actual name is like peppermint Petrovich her first name's actually Patricia, uh
0: canonically Patricia Petrovich and she and her family her family changed it uh during the red scare and yet was that the red thing-
1: scare a thing in this universe I mean there was an incident that turned all the grown ups into lumps, so I'm not sure at what point their history diverges from ours.
0: Well, if we're—I mean, if we're talking about the real, real world—I uh, mean, I know the Red Scare was in the 1950s. I don't know if it overlaps with the uh, with the debut of the strip.
1: Well, because there's definitely oh. Snoopy has fantasies about like you know,
2: being holy a- crap! World War One. I, I just looked up Peppermint Patty's name, Patricia Peppermint Patty uh, Reichhardt. Reichardt, R E I C H A R D T. Wow, that, canonically that is her name. That is a handle. Her surname was not revealed until January 15, January 15th, 15,
1: 1972. Oh, so recently, huh. like right before this.
2: Yeah. Hmm. So there you go. So maybe that, that's one of the
1: right charts then on the wall. I guess we can just,
0: <laughs> yeah, <maybe>. just... <laughs> we solved it, you guys. Great. <laughs> Granddaddy Reart, he fought in the war, Oh, on which side he fought <clears throat> in the war? <laughs> wow, look at the time <laughs> <laughs> And that's what Snoopy says as he dashes out of the uh, house for his dear life. Whoop, look at the time, gotta go, and uh, Pepper and Patty's like, "Come back, come yeah. back we this is super fun, us beating the fuck out of each other.
1: And I mean we've all known someone who has yes-anded way too hard and that's ex- quintessentially what Peppermint and Patty's done here.
0: Yes. Yeah. She is Just she. like, "Oh, yes I
1: see if- you're doing a larp. Let me counter-larp your larp."
0: Yeah. She yes-ands the fuck out of Snoopy and very very intelligently they get the hell out of there. And they go back to the tree where the nest once stood and then they notice footprints leading away from it. Footprints I would like to add that have been there through the entire fucking special. Oh, I know. It's so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Snoopy's a bad detective. The whole goddamn time. That is the thing that inspires Snoopy to go get a magnifying glass. I'm, oh, I'm so I'm so mad at children's programming, fam.
1: Well, like when I was a child, you know, and, I, and all of my knowledge of detective work was from Law and Order being on in the background or other cartoons. And pretty much any time a dog is involved in some kind of mystery solving, it usually involves the dog, like, sniffing, as dogs do and are good at doing. And so I thought for sure, like, Snoopy would eventually be like, oh, I picked up on a trail. Sniff, 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 like a dog would. But, I mean, we're in sort of Snoopy prime, I guess, at this point. Sort of the post-modern Snoopy. Um and it, I just found it like so frustrating like couldn't you have like done the thing that dogs do when there's crimes like normal do- ah! like that created immense dissonance for me as a child <laughs> Does
0: Snoopy understand that he is a dog?
1: No. Peppermint Patty doesn't understand that he's a dog. So I no. mean like he refuses to sleep inside a doghouse which is maybe a protest of like no I will not be put in your dog quarters.
0: He doesn't want to be I'm on not a, a number leash. I'm
1: a man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No,
2: Snoopy Snoopy is very like like, you know, whenever he sees a no dogs allowed sign, he's like, surely that doesn't apply to me. And then you get the whole number and it's going to become home. No dogs allowed. I've watched too many of these things. I know too much about Peanuts. I'm realizing that's, this now. That's why you're here.
0: This is actually an intervention, <laughs> Kathleen. Graham wanted us to get on the horn with you.
2: Look, you're going to infect a new generation of children. We need to stop this. We need to nip this in the bud. With the,
0: with it, the lump disease
2: is your you've made an earthling recently is she do you yeah is
1: she has how much peanuts has she been exposed to at this point oh
2: lots okay. like the thing is we have like we have just shelves of peanuts comics in the in the living room so like for a while her favorite book was happiness is a warm puppy an original 1972 edition that uh. i did not let her hold too carefully <laughs> uh she, she she uh, she really, I mean, 72 is not the first printing, but it's very old. It's like very vintage. Uh, she actually quite enjoys the Peanuts movies, especially the Snoopy parts. The talky parts, not so much. Uh, let's see, I showed her Charlie Brown Christmas and she was like, I'm less than one. I am ambivalent to everything that is happening here. And she has a, she has a Snoopy. For a while she was playing with my childhood Snoopy and I was like, I'm nervous. <laughs> let's get her her own Snoopy.
1: Well yeah, my the, the the book I'm holding is from seventy five, so I I mean and it's fallen the heck apart. So these books from the seventies, I tell you.
2: Oh yeah, should we also have a full set of Charlie Brown cyclopedias. Do you remember these? I don't. I do. Oh, I have a yeah, the full set of Charlie Brown cyclopedias, which despite having owned them as a very small child, uh are uh ex- except for the one my sister like drew stuff on to get when she was mad at me, are the most lovingly like, everything I had as a child as a Snoopy is so incredibly, like, I must have had tiny gloves that I wore to read these. They are in absolutely perfect condition. Ah.
0: And of course, they're on
2: a shelf, and Penelope's like, let's read these. And I'm like, no.
0: They're too, sorry, they're too nice. Uh, these, too cr- ch- these children's <laughs> books are not meant to be enjoyed by children. I'm very sorry. Go, play- I was a child. The children <laughs> yes, who enjoyed them the are grown now. Yes. And that's, and that's the, and that's the <laughs> end. It is a self-closing loop. You, you don't touch yeah. Mother Snoopy. I immediately want to come over and look at all of your stuff, but not touch it. I have so
2: much peanut stuff. Oh, you can touch it. You're an adult. It's fine.
0: Barely. <laughs> so. ba- maybe by the letter of the law, Kathleen, <laughs> but, but it's real hazy after that.
2: <laughs> come to Canada and touch my un- uh, astoundingly preserved artifacts of a past time.
0: <laughs> That's, you just got a job at the Chamber of Commerce for life. Forget. Come to Canada and touch our old peanut stuff. <laughs> speaking. Wait, of, where were we? Uh, speaking were we? talking of per- about peanuts. Yeah, we were. And speaking of perfectly preserved items, they follow the footprints to ye old elementary school, which has an open window because uh, meat lumps aren't necessarily great at security. Uh, they walk into the science lab. Uh, it was a different time. <laughs> Crime didn't exist. Well, that, that's like authoritatively not true because they're solving a crime. Maybe. I know, but like. But I mean, they're detectives locked
2: doors. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (sighs) Maybe this is, oh, it's like Demolition Man where it's just this post-crime universe and Sally, oh, spoilers. Uh, Sally stole the nest. Um, and this was like the first crime that they've encountered. Oh no! (sighs) Spit take. Uh, they go into the science lab at the school. They pass what looks like Thousands of dollars worth of really interesting scientific equipment, including like not one but two Van de Graaff generators and also some sort of audio visualizing machine. Which that the gag where Woodstock is like and then just comes up as a series of exclamation points is actually like really good. It's, it's really, really good. cool looking. Like that's one of those things that would GIF really well. I feel like, mm-hmm. and it's also. F- it's also funny to me that we will come to find out it is Sally who stole the nest. It's funny to me that Sally thought that a like a nest would compete with like a vanguard generator and a giant video screen and it's just there's a lot of cool shit in this lab but uh but this nest ain't it. They find Woodstock's nest, labeled prehistoric bird's nest and it is uh nestled between the skeleton of a prehistoric bird and then something that just says Ancient Chinese dog bones. In
2: my notes, I'm like, "That's racist?" Question mark. <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't. I don't know if they were bones of a Chinese dog or if they were snacks for Chinese dogs. Oh, that's probably more
2: correct. But it is that's hopefully it's, more correct.
0: It's. I yeah. I didn't understand it at all, but I. I didn't know where they found that prehistoric bird. I don't know what child is just rooting through their yard for bones.
1: Though, like, if this is the caliber of, like, six-year-old show-and-tell, like, I understand a bit why Sally is so, f- like, freaked out about it, you know? Yeah, this is why
2: she's like, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Yeah, I, I would, too. We you're... don't have the budget for de Graaff generation. Our, our, our dad is a is a barber, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some some I, I... six-year-old brought an oscilloscope. What the hell? <laughs> It's a sweet ass oscilloscope. Um, and, uh, but they find the nest. And then my note here is, oops, the special is over, but there's 10 more minutes. Sally is freaking out because her nest has been stolen and she shouted. Stolen. Yeah. Quotation it's, marks. Quotation marks. Again. Very, something very Nixonian about Sally in this episode. She's, she's committing crimes that she doesn't understand her crimes. She's blaming like nameless, faceless hordes that are all conspiring against her. Uh, and she wants her lawyer and her bookkeeper and her accountant.
1: I did have the thought of, uh, I was thinking back to the, cause there's sort of different, I think sort of like Doctor Who style regenerations when it comes to these <laughs> characters from special to special. Because there's like no continuity, but the Linus from You're Not Elected Charlie Brown Um, and this Sally might actually be kind of compatible, like like just just sort of a propensity for screaming that I think is actually
0: really suitable and cute. But she's on to something, but she's also like she's ranting like she's on something, like she's just (laughs) she's kind of a mess and thinks that her bookkeeper and her accountant are going to help her with that. For some reason. Basically, it comes out that she is the one who took Woodstock's nest. And Charlie Brown says as much. uh Sally, you took Woodstock's nest. And I made a note. How do they know Woodstock's name?
1: Hmm. That's a, that's a very good point. Um. Hmm.
0: Hmm. I mean, I guess there is, I guess there is because when Snoopy goes to the first couple of houses before he just yells at Marcy, he hands like what must be typed up things. So maybe it's there, but it was just like, but Charlie Brown said it like he and Woodstock are also like old buddies and like Woodstock's just part of the gang. I don't know. It was just, it was, it was odd to me. And then he says a thing that I think should be said more in these specials. That's terrible. And it was like, it's very rare that you get admonishments for shitty behavior in the Peanuts universe where somebody is just says to somebody else, hey, you're being a butt.
1: Well, and I got to say for there, there are certainly there have been specials where Charlie Brown's name is in the title, but either he doesn't do anything or he's like the butt of every joke and everybody's just kind of unison yelling at him. But this is the first special I can think of where he's like the most like level like I'm just I'm just here and I'm neutral and I'm advancing the story and you're welcome. It's me, Charlie Brown. You know.
0: Does that jibe with the strip, Kathleen? Was there a point where Charlie Brown stopped being a loser and just started being like this benign, like? Uh, no, I don't want to say parental unit, but just sort of like, well, everybody, I'm the voice of reason.
2: Well, Charlie Brown's always tried to be that for like his little sister, right? That's like, true. Be a good older brother. And I think uh, I think there's definitely other times where Charlie Brown has tried to be the voice of reason, and I. But like, because he's Charlie Brown, people don't listen to him. <laughs> yeah. You know, whenever he's coaching the team, for example, like the the baseball team, like he usually is not giving out like bad advice, but people are just like, oh, whatever, you're Charlie Brown. <laughs>
0: uh, but not, but not Sally. He's Rodney Dangerfield essentially. No respect. I don't get rid of no respect. respect. Yeah. But here. <laughs> Here he, uh, Sally, kind of like, uh, oh, we missed a scene where Sally and Snoopy and Woodstock almost get into a Donnybrook. And, uh, uh, Charlie Brown has to step in and be like, <gasps> Yes, Kathleen. Can I,
2: can I, I need to step in with like the most useless, stupid fact, but this Go is on. the first time I've ever heard somebody say the word Donnybrook. And I know the, et- the, uh, the etymology of that phrase, why wait. it's called no Donnybrook. <laughs> Okay, so back in England because it's an in cuz Eng- cuz that's where English is from, the Donnybrook uh f- like uh fair essentially was renowned uh in like this uh, I want to say it was like the 1600s or something like that as like a an amazing like fair to go to with lots of like things and games and drinking and and as, as, as time went on, like, as hundreds of years went on, the drinking eclipsed everything. And a Donnybrook, rather than being known as, like, you know, like, a town fair or, like, a fate or something like that, F, uh, however you spell that, in like, F- traditional F- English- F-A-I-T. Yeah, yeah, was, was known as, like, a place to get drunk and fight. And, like, it got so legendarily, like, awful and, like, shitty, and, like, people would, like, be murdered and stuff like that in, like, fights, that they closed it down in the Victorian era, even though it had been going for, like, 600 years or something like that. But <laughs> then so that's then du-
1: it lives on in spirit wherever somebody has a drunken brawler.
2: That's Correct, amazing. yes. That, so that, that has nothing to do with Peanuts. I listened to a podcast, it's all about the history of the English language, and I heard that, and I was like, that's so interesting, I can't wait to bring that up the next time somebody says Donnybrook, and it's
0: been months, so I'm just very happy. <laughs> Kathleen, from the bottom of my heart, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like like the Victorians, uh, Charlie Brown steps in <laughs> and uh, yes. brings this Donnybrook to a halt, and says, we need to settle this in a civilized manner, let's find an objective person to settle this. And then Charlie Brown does the thing that he seems to do in every episode, which is to immediately go for help to the worst person in town. The person who taunts him and mocks him constantly, and like systematically it was yeah. systematically breaks him down like it was her motherfucking job. They go to Lucy and they're like, hey, Lucy, uh, can you uh, can you settle this for us? I guess. But you know what, I guess it's because if we are to delve into meat lump theory for a second, Lucy is the boss of this part of town. She is the mayor. She is the one she is the one which what she says goes.
2: She's not even the oldest child, which really bothers me though. Who is? I like I think like if you go back to like the fifties comics, Lucy is younger than Charlie Brown and like somehow she gets age caught up. But I feel like Charlie Brown is one of the oldest kids. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes, I think I remember.
2: Why doesn't people appeal to him?
0: Because well, you Charlie said Brown. it. Because he's fuck you, dude. You're Charlie Brown. You don't Aww. know. You don't know shit from Shinola, jerk. He just can't like recover Charlie his brand. Brown. Is all. Yeah. Yeah. Tarnished, eternally tarnished brand. Lucy is kicking back reading uh cool or kook comics, and I really want to believe she's reading some like far-out R shit. Like there's something very like the very like underground comic-y about the phrase kook comics, both with a K. Uh, and then she did does something, it's not really even a joke, but uh but Charlie Brown's like, hey, we there's a problem, yo, you'll solve it. And uh Lucy's like, yeah, absolutely. And then very satisfyingly Like uh, pulls out a crank, uses the crank to manually change uh, her booth from psychiatrist uh, to like uh, law talking dude or whatever it says. Judges chambers.
1: Court of law, legal aid, seven cents.
0: Yes. It's so good. So good, so good. I have to assume it's like the people's court, like it's like <laughs> it's like small claims. Uh, although Lucy seems to be the only one who's making any money out of the deal because she gets two cents more. And then we have the big, uh, and then we have the big courtroom scene. Oh, but can we just talk about how she
2: says what is it like? Silver is very compatible with the oh. scales of justice, and I'm like, oh my god,
0: it's so on the nose. It hurts. My oh oh. My only note there is oof. It's just (laughs) oof. Uh, The actual line is, it's well known that silver and the scales of justice have great affinity.
2: Oh, it's so good.
0: Uh, To the point, I should have looked it up. That must be a quote, right? That's got to be either from the Bible or something, right? No, I've never heard it
2: before. Kathleen, Peanuts detector. But...
0: I just like checking facts, as you may have noticed. <laughs> there's a, ironically, there's a set of footprints that leads right to the definition, but Kathleen's just going door to door, knocking on people. Uh, the
2: only thing I'm getting, getting is, uh, is subtitles for It's a Mystery, Charlie Brown. That's, uh, that's some writer sneaking in a joke just for the, for the adults. Yep. It's a
0: regular Van Peltism is what that is. Yeah. And uh, and they keep the jokes for adults going, I feel like with this entire legal sequence, uh, because it's just people vaguely using Latin and Snoopy showing up as uh, as Joe Cool. Attorney. He was at very
2: popular at the comics right now. Lots of Joe Cool Coo merchandise from the 70s. It's
0: a weird combination, his look, because he's wearing sort of like the stereotypical Atticus Finch sort of like lawyer bow tie, but then the Joe Cool glasses, and he's this, like, it's almost like it put me in mind of like, oh, is he like a Hunter S. Thompson? To, like, it, did, the two, the Joe Cool glasses and sort of the lawyer bow tie and briefcase. Uh, my note was wavy gravy attorney at law. None of it kind of makes sense. And then Snoopy pulls out a sandwich and is embarrassed by it. Uh, because let's face it, sandwiches are embarrassing.
1: <laughs> I gotta say, um, my, my dad, uh, works in like insurance court. Like he's, he's a, an attorney, but not the kind you see on TV because that's all like criminal stuff. Yep. And so for like the bulk of my childhood, this scene defined what I, th- I thought my dad's day was like. You know, because I knew I now knew what a stenographer was, and I assumed he just kind of talked in Latin a whole bunch and wore like, like didn't wear a bow tie, but like pretty much everything up, up to that point, I was like, yeah, I guess that's my dad's job. I don't know.
0: Yep. Uh, did he yep. carry half eaten sandwiches in his briefcase? He still does. <laughs> Fact. Lucy refers to uh, Woodstock as Bird, which I uh, enjoy on both a Mr. Snuffleupagus level and because that's what they should call Woodstock. Like nobody should know what this thing's name is because the two people who possess knowledge of this thing's name do not speak English as humans understand it. Uh, but I like, she's dismissive, but you'll still hear the case, I guess is my point. Um And uh, Sally represents herself even though apparently she had a lawyer and a bookkeeper and an accountant. I guess none of them were available for this case. And then Lucy says a bunch of Latin words. What I like about this is you can tell that because it's it's kids doing
2: the acting and that you can tell from just how it's mixed that uh, definitely they had to have uh, the actress for Lucy do a few takes on this and just sort of cut together the best stuff. Like,
0: <laughs> Oh.
2: It's like it's like, oh man, I can hear that. Ah well whatever.
0: (laughs) And some of it I I because I uh because I was uh bored and should have been doing real work, I looked up the Latin in this and got like kind Oh good I got kind I was tempted. I got kind of garbagey definitions and so some of them some of them have sort of no bearing on anything. Like they'll throw in like a ipso facto or a QED there are a couple of things that Snoopy's asking for a decree nisi. The court order has no force until the condition is met. That doesn't really apply. Uh but the one that there are two things that do. Uh hmm. in the Latin that she uses, uh for trover And Trover means to recover the value of personal property that is wrongfully uh, disposed by another person, uh, the nest. Uh, And then Reflevin, uh, which sounds like a Jerry Lewis exclamation, which is a procedure whereby seized goods may be provisionally uh, restored to the owner pending the outcome of an action.
1: Some of it's actually, like, pertinent to the case, weirdly.
0: Wow. Some of it is pertinent to the case, and then some of it is sort of like, like Nunk Tro Trunk. And decree nisi, ipso facto, yeah. so facto, and at one point they say pluribus cum laud," which is just like nonsense. But but Snoopy seems to have put some sort of case together, and then it's Sally's turn to stand uh, to stand up for herself, and she's just like uh, finders keepers, losers weepers. Uh, and my, my, I mean, she is a child. <laughs> she is. I refer to that as the Kellyanne Conway School of Defense. Just sort of like yeah well you're stupid uh and again uh lucy has like a good line there are very few like quote-unquote jokes in this but she but she hears that and then she goes that's a very strong case indeed uh and generally (laughs) uh seems like she's kind of weighing these two things and uh and then it seems like Snoopy comes out, uh, Snoopy and Woodstock come out the winner because they used more funny Latin words, which is, Molly, sort of to parent what you said, even though I did not have a law talking dude uh, as a parental unit. I kind of just assumed that that's all that court was, is that people just shouted Latin at each other and whoever said the most and best Latin was the winner.
2: I mean, I feel like Snoopy and Woodstock had an actual case, where Sally did not, though. I feel like that was also somewhat in
0: their favor. Yeah, but for a second, it looked like it was going to shake out either way. Like, Lucy seemed genuinely torn. It's just
2: narrative tension, man. Like, i gotta keep, <laughs> you, got to keep you up until the end of the episode.
0: Well, I know that.
2: <laughs> well, and I like that, like, uh,
1: they basically, like, uh, Sally and Snoopy were coming to different kinds of court because, like, Snoopy was doing like the thing that I recognize my dad does of like, OK, so he made a really super wordy way of saying Snoop Woodstock says that he got stolen from. And Sally took the people's court like TV court approach of just like he robbed me uh-huh. and it's my nest. Finders keepers, which is pretty much uh-huh. all they do on like Judge Judy and those. So you got two little courts gets in one.
0: I like that you added in the southern accent. <laughs> That's not his nest. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I-, I found the nest, your honor fair and square. <laughs> Sally's weird defense for wanting to take it in the first place because it was just like, it's so stupid looking, Why it's gotta be prehistoric. What do you mean prehistoric?
1: I found a nest that was so ridiculous it had to be prehistoric. No self-respecting modern bird could have built it. Yeah, no
0: self-respecting it. bird would have been you'd have nest. to be some kind of asshole to have a nest like
1: that. You might be a prehistoric <laughs> bird's nest if. If... <laughs>
0: If your nest is up in a tree and it's real cushy looking, you might be a, a prehistoric bird's nest. <laughs> uh, I- Sally's like, I'm in right. I'll appeal. I'll take this to the Supreme Court. Uh-huh. How dare you? I demand restitution, which I guess maybe they thought because she said that uh, during Great Pumpkin as well. So maybe like the Q scores for Sally saying restitution were just like super through the roof and people loved it. That was like her. What you talking about, Willis? But uh, and uh, Lucy bangs a gavel and is like, shut up, shut up. If you do that again, I'll clear the court. And then she adjourns the court. Molly, you said you had some lyrics for the Lawyer Joe Cool song.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you. I was just going to ask about those. So it's Joseph Cool, LLP, sandwich in my briefcase and I have no degree. Ta-da.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the point in the uh, – this is the point. I, I don't know, Molly, if you encounter this have it, watching these. There is always a point where you are now in the last two minutes of the episode and the – those two minutes stretch on infinitely into the universe, and you have no idea if this is ever going to end. This is where we are now, where Sally's just like, but I need uh, an experiment, or I'll be thrown out of the Institute forever, <laughs> and I'll be ruined. I'll be
2: There's an, os- the an oscilloscope,
0: for heaven's sakes. And then... uh you mentioned, Kathleen, that this, uh, this last sort of Pavlov riff, which is the, the tie, this is where it sort of falls apart and they don't try and tie it into theme. You'd think that they would do something like, oh, well, we can do like a criminology thing or a fingerprint dusting thing. No, no, no. It's just sort of this Pavlov's, uh, dog kind of thing. You mentioned this is from the comics, Kathleen. Was this an arc or was this a one-off? Not-
2: no, not, like, not this Pavlov joke is, maybe the Pavlov joke is from the comics, but Sally sort of delivering this, like, joke, like, sort of setting herself up and then delivering a very stand-up joke while giving one of her endlessly required uh, school presentations is, like, a reoccurring comics gag. And I don't know if she ever did Pavlov's Dog. It sounds like the kind of thing they might do, but I don't know if just having to have set up a joke of it would scan in the comic strips, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and then Snoopy eats a gumball or whatever the fuck it is, and then he snack. looks at He eats a Scooby snack, and then he looks at the camera, again, embarrassed by food,
2: and then... Well, I think he's embarrassed that he's acting like a dog. And he's...
0: he's I love it. And he's looking to us like, please don't judge me on this, folks. Anyways, that... Yeah, I'm doing this for Woodstock. Anyways, that's our show. Hope you all had a good time. We're just going to sort of let this peter out, and now... Three minutes of a bird relaxing in a nest. <laughs> and uh and then Woodstock relaxes in his nest over the closing credits, and then he falls to the ground with a thump. And the episode just starts again. Because that that's it. It's just it's an infinite Mobius strip. This is it. This is all the Peanuts gang do for the rest of their lives is just They're caught in some <laughs> sort of hell portal. Oh, they are. Sad. <laughs> uh sad really. <laughs> Clo- Kathleen, on yes. this episode that you requested, closing yes. closing thoughts.
2: Overall, like I realize that we have just basically turned this episode to shred. As far as peanut specials goes, it's pretty fine. Like I like all the physical comedy that Snoopy and Woodstock do. I think a child would find it amusing. And the synth soundtrack is totally
0: banging. It it's is a
2: banging soundtrack.
0: It is a banging soundtrack, deeply funky.
1: And it also, like we said, it this episode starts with Plot, which usually they don't bother to do, it's just kind of like a bunch of little strip vignettes, and then plot, but like yeah. I feel like about thirty seconds in we had plot, yes. and that's how you pronounce it in the peanuts
0: universe uh because they've never <laughs> nobody who writes or makes these specials has ever encountered that word before, so they're always just like,' oh, wait, plute, what is that word? Should there what be is this ploot? Ploot? um judge by sort of the yardstick of other peanut specials i agree it's pretty solid uh it's no it's no charlie brown christmas but of course what is there was never really another special like that and Uh as far as a special that sort of uh you know signals turning into stuff that is more for little little kids and to sell stuffed animal dogs with hats it's it's fine I'm kind of agnostic on it, I guess.
1: Yeah, And I think the thing that we sort of forget to factor in when we sort of appraise these, especially for like consistency and canon and those things, is these were not really meant to be seen again ever. And so there was no Mm. sort of yardstick by which you could say like, well, that's not what they did in the last special because it's been, you know, six to eight months since the last one. And, you know, kids don't have a memory for that sort of thing.
2: Wait, it's been six to eight months in a realm before VCRs.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of these specials got repeated ad infinitum, and then some were wished into the goddamn cornfield, the old, the old pumpkin patch, uh, where Linus makes his, (laughs) spends his nights. And, and this was one of them, but it is, I would, I would say it's great for, it would be good for little kids. Like Kathleen has your, did your kid, uh, watch this with you when you, or she's little, little still, right? Yeah, she's, she's like,
2: Twenty months old, so she gets a very limited amount of TV per day. So I watch this myself, um, and yeah, I'll show this to her later when she's old enough to sort of like appreciate it. I think she'll like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing objectionable in it. Well, so maybe for the phrase "lily livered," I guess we have to do more digging into that.
0: And c- and, and cement shoes, uh, which was considered too graphic for the novelization. Uh, <laughs> Molly, your closing thoughts.
1: Um I mean we were definitely at peak Geraldi, and we sort of mentioned with the Thanksgiving the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and I feel it holds up here as well that these sort of extended snoopy sequences um if you didn't see sort of value in them uh, as sort of a, moving the narrative forward or anything it did give us more time to listen to Vince Geraldi um and his I think it's a se- it's a sextet by now because they have a horn section uh and so mm. I will accept any dumb like do as many bu- uh, bubble gags as you want if I can listen to more sweet, sweet horns and, and funky
0: music. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, I think we have our answer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and uh, Josh. Yes. What have we learned? <laughs> um, what a good penis joke. What have we learned? Uh, we learned, I learned that uh, if you are solving a crime and the most obvious clue presents itself to you first, ignore it for like 15 or 20 minutes and just go bother people.
1: I learned not to ever handcuff Lucy for any reason, under any circumstance, and that only consensually handcuff people. Don't non-consensually handcuff people. Don't non-consensually do your your robbery LARP with someone. Consent is a problem in this universe sometimes.
2: <laughs> I think the thing that teaches how important consent is is something that we should be showing our children. I think it's a great it's
0: great for children. Yeah,
1: don't if it doesn't the land consent. with Steven Universe, if those those parallels don't <laughs> land,
2: then we do have this cops and robbers LARP.
0: <laughs> uh, kathleen what did you learn
2: i mean i've seen this special like 10 15 times before so i don't think i really learned anything new from this reviewing uh but i did like personally like uh, on the personal journey of this i i learned that perhaps i do know too much about peanuts i appreciate that you're always like well kathleen could you back up it's like i'm not any kind of expert but i think maybe in a world in this world i am close to peanut. Uh, maybe i'm a peanut scholar so maybe i've come out of this with a greater sense of self-esteem that's what i've learned that i'm okay what a great lesson
0: <laughs> i'm josh kagan i'm molly lewis special thanks to our guest i'm
2: kathleen devere i was here too <laughs>
1: yay! yay and this has been peanuts gallery <laughs> hey you blockheads it's molly Thank you so much for listening to episode 205 of Peanuts Gallery. You may have noticed there were two episodes of Peanuts Gallery in your feed today, and this one that you're listening to is the unabridged version. And congratulations on making it all the way to the end, and I'm amazed that you are still listening. We don't want to make a regular thing of releasing alt versions of the same episode, but when you are in the presence of a Peanuts scholar such as Kathleen DeVere, you don't want to leave anything out. If you want strictly discussion of It's a Mystery, Charlie Brown, and Little Else, then there is also an abridged version. Our next episode will focus on It's the Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown, and it will not be edited or abridged at all, because it will be our first live episode, which we recorded on the Joko Cruise back in February. God, we were so young back then. Our special guest was Hal Lublin of Tights and Fights, and we got this, and surprisingly nice, and he had surprisingly strong opinions about Peanuts and Meat Lumps and the whole bag, so that will be up on August 11th, so look forward to that. And that will be sort of the cap of our season. Like we mentioned in this episode, we're going a little out of order, but we have plans to cover Snoopy Come Home sometime in the fall. And that episode will feature some very special guests that I'm not at liberty to talk about right now. Here's your discussion question.
0: Does Snoopy understand that he is a dog?